Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Starting another week, a day later than normal. It's a holiday for everybody, Chris. Very presidential pause for, for us. Um, nothing to do for a few days, surprisingly, except answer some questions from our subscribers. Yep, we were kind of expecting some news, any kind of news with uh, regards to the basketball schedule, maybe something coming up and this week getting, uh, you know, last minute, have some action. And, nah, Big Toe's just going to let WVU chill for a while and, and cram it all in later. That's just very uh, collegiate of them to, 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 to wait until that point and just try to get it all in at the last minute. Let's chop this up into 100 little pieces. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. This seems to me, and maybe it has to do with what happened Saturday. West Virginia losing, falling four games, four losses back of Baylor. It's it's going to be hard for anybody to catch Baylor right now on a regular schedule. Um, just a team that hasn't lost in 17 games probably isn't going to lose four out of the next nine. I just have a hard time believing that. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's going to be hard to get to 18 anyway. I just wonder if it's a concession that, listen, we're not going to get 18. And none of that, we're, not everybody's going to play the same 15, 16 games. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that they're going to get 18 in and I'm just kind of pulling this out of thin air. No, I think, you, I think you're right. I think you and I both discussed this last week. I think, I think it was last week where it was like, uh, I think we both saw it being like a 15-game or 16-game season, and that's it. And just trying, trying to make sure everybody plays at least once against each other getting to 16 and, and being done. If you're Bob Huggins or one of his players and you got two swings of Baylor, they're going to be compromised to say the least, but you get two swings of them. Who knows? Maybe something crazy happens and you go two and oh, you're still two games back. It's just, that's yeah. what, that's why that game Saturday is so big. I think if it's one game, if you sweep those, then yeah, you really want to get everything back together. But by the way, you can't lose again. And that's going to be hard for West Virginia to navigate given how the schedule does line up, but I just, I don't know. I can see the pros and cons, but I can see the big 12 saying, all right, we put this off as long as we can to make a decision. It's going to be really hard for anybody to catch Baylor. Um, let's, let's pull the plug on this and get it to 18. That said, they are finally dotting that final week of the regular season, the post week of the regular season with some games. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma state is one, which makes me think that Oklahoma state has nothing to do Thursday. And doesn't have nearly as much space in that final week as they did before. I don't know why Oklahoma State isn't playing in Morgantown Thursday. And sure, they play tonight and they play Saturday. It's the same thing West Virginia has to do. They have to play Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday coming up. So those those one-day breaks you just kind of got to live with right now because that's how we're going to get to whatever number it is. You're going to have to play some crazy games. But the news for West Virginia is they play an undetermined start time against Baylor a week from Thursday. So what they'll do is they'll go on the road Friday. They'll play Saturday. They'll travel to TCU, play Tuesday, travel to Baylor, play Thursday. I'm guessing at night, but not as late as you want. Otherwise they would have said 9 PM. And then they come back and they play Kansas state on Saturday at four. So their final four games are going to be at Texas, at TCU, at Baylor against Oklahoma, excuse me, against Kansas state with, Home games left against Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU that haven't been rescheduled. Any guess for how this works out? It, one, I have. Let me let me dial back to some of your earlier comments there. One, I really thought the Oklahoma State thing was happening when they changed the Oklahoma State, uh, who they playing today, Iowa State start time yep. from whatever it was, nine p.m. down to four p.m. I was like, there's step one, move that game earlier. That lets them get out of there quicker and get ready for the game on Thursday at West Virginia. No, I, I think, you know, it, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, if they haven't announced it yet, I, I apparently, I guess that's just not happening. Um, two, it, isn't it just convenient that West Virginia is going to be short three games and all three of them are home games? How, like, how mad do you have to be if you're West Virginia right now? Like, that's infuriating. Because even like a week or so ago, I was going through and just the way it worked out. I mean, uh, originally, it's just the way it worked out. Just the way games were getting postponed and when guys were having COVID pauses. And when West Virginia had their own COVID pause, it was 
West Virginia had played like the fewest number of home conference games out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, there, there's this priority of making up these games and none of them happen to be West Virginia's home games, which is, um, do you think we should ask Bob Huggins about that when we get him on zoom later this week, <laughs> see what his thoughts are? Yeah. Uh, he'll have opinions, but won't have anything to say about it or anything like that. He, you could tell he's very frustrated by this too, because the one thing they keep saying is like, well, you have to consider all the other variables here. No, you don't. It's not that hard. Like like what you just explained, move the Oklahoma State tip time up on Tuesday so they can travel, they can get more rest, play that game at some time Thursday, whenever, and you're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Look, you're going to have to do that stuff. It's it's just it's the consequence right now of, of this crazy season. So that's, that's not that hard to me. My only thing I could think of here is that they're going to play three home games in that final week, which I don't think coaches want to do that. But if you're going to play three games – I mean, maybe you're maybe the the bone that the Big Twelve throws you is that you play, uh, I don't know, like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, home, home, home. That's a lot of basketball before you go to Kansas City and then Indianapolis. But and, and at that point, what are we doing? Are we just doing this to get to eighteen games? That seems like nonsense. So I, I just have a hard time believing that the the Big Twelve is going to make West Virginia whole here. Call me crazy. I don't know. Just that's what I've been led to believe for nine years now. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Not to be a conspiracy theorist, but uh, yeah. I think West Virginia is going to get the short end of the stick here. And there's really not going to, they'll be, oh, we tried. We did. Uh, we really tried hard. And and then that's going to be it. And West Virginia is going to be short two or three home games. And it's never going to get made up. I think what's going to bug people is that Baylor gets the home game instead of West Virginia. Um, and that's fair. But to be fair, West Virginia had to cancel a game before Baylor did, right? We West Virginia had to back out on that. Was it a big Monday game or is it a Tuesday game? A Tuesday game, right? Yeah, Tuesday. So they had to back out first. So if you're if you have any type of sequence here, then maybe they're just giving the one game back. But I don't think Baylor was going to be ready by Thursday. I think their tenth day is actually Thursday. So I don't know how you play a game on the tenth day. So that's going to be hard to do. And now, now could you make could you make the Baylor West Virginia game that's being played? A home game for West Virginia to help West Virginia recoup one of its road, uh, one of its home games it doesn't have. Yeah, but they're already going to be out on the road. They're already going to be out there, so it does make a little bit of sense that if West Virginia does have a, 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 a I would say a well based complaint system about traveling, do you really want to play Saturday, Tuesday, fly home Tuesday night, and then play against Baylor? I would argue yes. I'd much rather have Baylor at home, to be honest. But like, I can yeah. see the logic in like, listen, we're already out in Dallas. We'll we'll scoot on down to Waco and then we'll fly home. So, and that's what you're gonna have. They're gonna be on the road for seven days. They're gonna leave Friday and they're gonna come home Thursday night. Um, that's a lot of time on the road. And you know, virtual classes, in person classes is not gonna be the same. You're gonna have to do some weird stuff with hotels and ballrooms and gyms and like, how do you get into that stuff these days? It's not like a regular road trip where you getting food and all that. It's one thing to do. You know, a Friday, Saturday trip, and it's one thing to do like a Friday, Monday night trip, but this is even longer. It just It's kind of a, a puzzling thing. I'd much rather have the home game. I can understand the logic of saying, we'll just get in a bus and go down to Waco and then fly home. My question here, and I think it's a good one, if you're really worried about playing a 9 p.m. or a 7 p.m. or even a 5 p.m. start on Thursday at Baylor and then coming home and playing Kansas State, that's a game you can't lose, but perhaps the schedule conspires and, and you get uh, a, a bad day at the office and you lose a game you shouldn't lose. So, if you're worried about that travel and getting home at an ungodly hour on Friday morning and playing Saturday, do you just stay the night in Waco after the game? I have a fly back Friday morning. Yeah, get home at you know you get on a plane, you could be home, you could be in the gym, you could be practicing at three o'clock, which is about normal for West Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do things like that routinely throughout the year, so that's a little bit easier, I think, than getting home at five in the morning and dragging yourself to the gym later in the day and trying to get through a practice. I wonder if you can do that. I have some people I'm going to talk to this week, but. Uh, they do not do that. They typically fly home right after a game, mostly for school. I get that, but man, if you're missing a week, what's one more day at this point? I don't know. It's it's a there's no there's no good ideas. You're just looking for the best bad idea right now. And concern bigger picture concerns here for me. Um, the last time, the only time so far. Well, I guess other than the South Dakota trip, but the other time that West Virginia left and was like, hey, we'll just play multiple road games and just stay out on the road. They came back and got hit with COVID and had to postpone or, you know, pause their season for two weeks. So 
like you said, the the hardest part of this stuff with with the COVID part is the traveling. You're, you're traveling, you're staying in hotels, you're having to find food, but you have to do it in a safe way. You have to stay in places at a safe way. Um, and and now and and that happened after the Oklahoma Oklahoma State trip where. West Virginia was what there for four days, and now they're gonna have to do it for seven days, eight days, like twice as long. And you you have to be concerned about that. You have to be like, no matter how diligent you are about this whole thing, if you are traveling and staying on the road for a whole week with this group of people, it's got to be something you can be concerned about. And and when it's coming in the last week of the regular season, you come back and there's an issue, you know, positive of tests like say that friday or saturday or sunday or whatever all right now are you out of the first couple rounds of the big 12 tournament are you pushing it right up to the start of the big 12 tournament based on you know which day it is like man it's it's it gets fuzzy there uh this is not not a good situation to be in at the end of the year yeah devil's advocate if you get three home games at the end of the season that's pretty good. It's an advantage and you're not traveling anywhere too. So you're, you're as bubbled as you can be there. Right. So I don't, I don't hate that. I don't like playing three games that week, but again, truth be told, it's not that different from a regular end of the regular mm-hmm. season. In the final week of the season, you typically play a Saturday, a Monday, Tuesday, or a Wednesday game, and then Saturday again. And then you have some time before you travel to the tournament you start Wednesday or Thursday. Ta-da. Um, this one, you're going to end the regular season on a Saturday. You could play, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then start the tournament on Wednesday or Thursday. It, it can work. It's not great, but again, you're just looking for the best bad idea right now, too. Speaking of bad ideas, um, how do you feel about conferences being allowed to figure out who gets their automatic bid? Because <laughs> this is very curiously timed, especially as we're talking about the conference that we cover. I I don't know. I I'm very torn on it because we sat here last week and said, how you know them butting the conference tournament up against the NCAA tournament was just a terrible idea, and you could see why teams would want to just bail on the conference tournament. But we also detailed why they couldn't, and that was money. Money says you can't because that that conference tournament is worth uh, its own separate paycheck on top of what teams are already getting from uh, ESPN and and Fox and whoever else. But yeah, it's like they're setting up for there to be no conference tournament. I mean, I feel like that's the whole reason for that ruling right there, right? Or is there is there an alternative motive that I'm not aware of? I think you're going to see some tournaments do this or some leagues do this because you might have, I had to look at some of them, but I'm sure there, there are some group of five conferences or mid-majors, I guess you would call them, um, that aren't going to have a whole lot of teams that qualify. You're talking one bid leagues, maybe two bid leagues, but... You know, for example, if you are trying to think of some of my hitters that I know that are really good. Let's see Ohio Valley got going on right now. Let me go check them out. Yeah. Belmont's 16 and 0. Moorhead State's 13 and 3. Eastern Kentucky's 11 and 4. You got one bid there. I don't know. Maybe you could say, listen, maybe Moorhead State gets in. Maybe Belmont gets in. But I wonder if a league like that where some of the teams say, this is dumb. I don't want to go maybe you can have like a tournament and you can have an automatic bid or something like that. But maybe you can just say, we're only going to get one team in. Ta-da, here's our champion and you're good to go. Um, there, are, there are some leagues like that that you could have a conversation about that in, but it's not that obvious and I don't think it's going to be that good. Um, you know, you might say Gonzaga, like why is Gonzaga going to have a conference tournament? Um, but BYU has been pretty good this year. I think that they're, they're six and three or seven and three in the conference and probably like 15 and five. Got beat pretty bad by Gonzaga, but maybe they could have like a really good day out there. So I can see like where a league might think doesn't make sense to do this. Why risk it? Let's give our number one that's a on a one bid league a chance. But then again, if you have the tournament, someone's getting in from your league if you're a one bid league anyway. So that that's hard. So I, I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where it's convenient for a league to say, let's make sure we get our one team in in the best situation possible. But if that team is good, they're going to get in no matter what. They're going to win the tournament. But I could also see a league saying. We can't afford this. Our schools aren't going to do it. Let's cut it after 18 games, 20 games, whatever, and just send our regular season champion in. So it'll be a mix, I think. You'll probably see some teams that um, bow out of their conference terms because they don't have a chance. I don't think you'll see anybody who's in position to win uh, a tournament and get into the NCAAs bow out. But I wonder how many of those conferences take the decision away from the teams and say, 
hey, you, you're you're 13 and three in our league. That's great, but this team went undefeated and has been number one all year in our league. We're not going to house a tournament because what sense does it make? So you've had a great year. Unfortunately, you're not going to get a chance to compete for an automatic bid. That's hard. But I think you'll see some of that maybe. I don't disagree with you. I, I, you, you. You're right. I think Ohio Valley Conference was a perfect pick for this example. I mean, it's Belmont, and that's it, I feel like. I don't think there are any other options from that league to get in to the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, just give them the automatic bid. Don't waste everybody's time. Don't risk anything, and just move on. And uh, But, unfortunately, like a lot of these decisions with everything, with these sports, with football, with basketball, all this stuff going on, the bigger conferences, the money is is that important to these schools just to kind of survive. And I think they'll push forward with it. I don't think you're going to see any major conferences go that route. I do wonder if you'll see some liberties taken in. All right, we can figure out who our champion is. Can we figure out how to determine our champion? So, um, again, just picking out arbitrarily another league here. Um, let's go to the Big South. Winthrop and Radford, 15-1, and 12-4. and four. Let's say you don't have a tournament, but you just say, listen, we'll play one game. We'll play a best out of three between you two, and then whoever wins, that's our automatic bid. The, the teams, do you read it that, that conferences have that sort of liberty? They can actually figure out how, not as opposed, not, not limited to who, but how they name their, right, their champion, their automatic bid. Leave it up to the NCAA to make it ambiguous, huh? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> like that. I, I saw that there was some gray area there. Yeah, I like it. I mean, you got a lot of lawyers in this business, and you'll see them try to try to torque those words and 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 make it however they want it to be twisted to way that is most beneficial to them. Which leads me to this: just spitballing here. Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, definitely in, right? Yeah. What if the NCAA comes in and says, "Hey, Oklahoma State, we've ruled." You're going to have to set this one out. Sorry. Postseason ban. 16 tournament. Top two teams get buys. Single elimination. Yeah. That's your Big 12 tournament. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine. We were, I think we already discussed the eight team because what in the world is the point of Kansas State and Iowa State being there? What's the point? Mm-hmm. No, sorry, sorry, Wildcat fans and Cyclone fans, but but a combined one and twenty-three in conference play, with the one win being Kansas State beating Iowa State. There's no need to have them there, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So at at most, this should be an eight-team tournament, um, and you know I doubt the NCAA will come down on, on the ruling on Oklahoma State, but if they did, yeah, just go to six and move from there. But should be one versus eight, Baylor versus TCU. Oklahoma versus, uh, what, I guess Oklahoma State. Isn't that how the standings are right now? Right now, yeah. And then, man, Texas-West Virginia in a 4-5 matchup somehow. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you think. If you don't get to 18, but maybe you can find a way to use that that time to do something different. And, and I don't think you want to have teams traveling and playing home games in this little tournament we've created. But and you could do it in Kansas City. I'm not sure how many fans are going to be there anyways. But, again, just different ways you can do it. You can You can pick your... Automatic bid, can you pick how you give out your automatic bid? I don't see why that'd be any different, too. Speaking of West Virginia, woke up Saturday in second place, trying to really solidify. They're in a tie for fourth and technically in fifth right now because they've lost to Texas. If Texas wins tonight against Oklahoma, I'm not sure that happens. um, They're definitely in fifth. And then if they lose to Texas... It's going to be hard to, 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 I mean, stay out of the bottom of that 16 tournament we're talking about here. <laughs> if you get yeah. in games against Baylor or whatever, because Texas Tech's schedule is a little bit more forgiving the rest of the way. Um, they have some games to make up, but TCU, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, that's different than two against Baylor, one against Texas. Um, I know West Virginia gets Kansas State in there, but um, boy, such a, a, a sudden change. And I guess we'll talk about that a little bit in our questions. But had a really good chance to be second, and now they're kind of fighting to stay in that that top four and, and really kind of firm up their NCAA seating there, too. And all because of a one-point loss in double overtime. Um, quite a season so far. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, do you want to move on to the, the questions from the mailbag? Let's go. As always, subscriber questions. We answer as many as we can here. Chris will come behind us with a broom later on, sweep things up, and put a written mailbag question and answer out so that'll be out i don't know sometime today sometime tomorrow just keep your eyes on the 
on the front page and you'll find it. But here we go. Questions, answers the best we can. Do you want to start with basketball or football? I'll give you I'll give you that that choice. Let's stick with basketball and get out of our system. Okay. Let's go there. Um I kind of like I, I want to go right off right off the bat with the, the hot takes. I'll give you an opportunity to give a hot take here. Um <clears throat> this is from Crowtown Ear. Any chance Huggins and staff look look what is going on in late game situations and actually leave Culver in the game and pull Matthews. Um Okay. I mean, they kind of did. I mean, Mathis wasn't on the floor at the end of double overtime. He was. He almost threw the ball away, and they took him out, which led to McBride being in for the inbound pass, and then McBride can't be a, a decoy or anything like that. But Culver was in. Um, he's an offense-defense guy now, which is crazy because it wasn't that long ago. Like, we're talking six weeks ago that he was checking Kay Cunningham and Huggins is saying that his best chance for professional success was his ability to guard threes and, and nimble fours, and now he can't. Um kind of gets caught in some switches. And listen, it's hard to guard a, a two who's playing the one, but that's hard. I get that. But that was supposed to be something he was good at before. But now you're taking him off the floor at the end of games, not because of his free throw shooting, but because of his defense. You're putting Gabe Osaboyan on the floor, not because of his free throw shooting, but because of his defense. And you saw, like, that's some stuff that happened there. That that Those missed free throws, it did get a little, a little bit fuzzy, but those missed free throws were a significant part of the outcome of the game. But Culver missed a few, too. So... Stick kind of who they are. Like they're gonna have to figure this out because they're they don't really blow anybody out. They don't get blown out. They kind of play close games. They're gonna have to figure this out. And that's why we're kind of obsessed with our, our little crunch time five here. But I'd have a hard time putting Matthews in right now. Um there's better offensive and defensive lineups there. All the numbers say it too. His uh his clutch gene hasn't been in gear. They missed a lot of free throws where it's mattered. I didn't like that that kind of careless pass that really almost cost them the game that they eventually lost. So Personally, I wouldn't have him out there. I know he does a lot of good stuff, but I can think of better combinations without him. I feel like I feel like Huggins is between a rock and a hard place here because, yeah, I, I, there was in, in regulation, I believe it was, and they didn't have Culver in, and it was it was when Gabe was grabbing all those rebounds. You're like, oh great, Gabe's grabbing those rebounds, but you're trying to get a basket and you're playing four on five basically, and and then Matthews again was not in it. So it's almost like you're playing three on five, and it, that's hard to do. Trying to get a bucket when you desperately need a bucket, and then you see Gabe miss those free throws. Like you said, that was those were huge, huge missed free throws, and they they weren't even close. And I think, man, because I don't know if you can go with because you, you you know the the scenario presented by the question was remove Matthews and put in Culver. Can you go Culver Gabe? Like I think we've talked about this before that 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 combination that's that's tough. That's tough to have them both out there because then you're getting back into again four on five on offense. Uh, two guys that really are no threat outside of ten feet, so it, it makes it easier on opposing defenses. I'm I'm not sure you can go there, but can you take Gabe out because you need that rebound and you need that defense? Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't envy making those decisions i did question why culver was not in there because he went offense defense huggins did switching him back and forth hugging yeah. uh, offense defense but for a while there culver wasn't in on offense and i could not could not figure out why uh during regulation uh, although he did make up for it in, in overtime so not an enviable situation to to be trying to make decisions on that because i'm not sure there's a perfect answer and and you guys know me. I love to say things definitively and give a very direct answer and say this is the answer. I'm not sure there is one right here because because none of them seem great to me for these late late game situations. Yeah, there's no hard and fast five either. It all depends. If you're playing 47 feet, you can get away with a different lineup, you know, for like a 3.5 second possession. Then if you're playing like under the basket inbound on your end, or if you're playing under the basket inbound on the other end, so it's going to be different. Like you could. You could do things, for example, if you had McBride inbounding to, let's just say, Osaboyan and Culver are targets at half court, and they're just going to have Statue of Liberty. They're going to jump, catch a pass, and hand it off to the guy beside him who's running toward the basket. you got two big targets out there. That makes sense. Do you want those two playing a half-court game with five seconds left? Probably not. Space is going to be a mess. Um, and then I, I, th- I think Osaboyan's a pretty smart basketball player who sets good screens and can do things like that. I'm not sure Culver's great at setting screens and, and being that type of a roadblock, but if you're trying to get somebody free in an inbound, maybe Osa Boyne's a better option there. It's so subjective. You can't just put five in every spot, but 
they're going to have to figure these things out. And to some extent, they do. I mean, they won one of these games, too. And they've, they've gotten good looks. They just didn't make the shots um, as recently as Saturday. So, again, I think they're going to be in games like this the rest of the way more often than they're up by 20 and just kind of playing their scrubs at the end of the game, which hasn't really happened very much this year. Happened to Kansas. That was about it. So, um, it's going to be like a Rolodex of ideas they're going to have to be able to access. So let's stick with, with this late game. You mentioned part of it just a second ago from another question from Leighton. Uh, why use Deuce to inbound and not as a decoy? They were out of timeouts and on the fly, and they saw Matthews throw the ball away. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, so you make a quick sub, and you put somebody in that you know is a smart pass, smart player. I mean, he's got almost a, almost a 3-to-1 assist to turnover ratio. And, and you're going to one spot in that play. That was set up for Culver. And it worked. It was a really good play and a, a good enough pass. It probably could have been a little bit more inside the lines. And it probably could have been a cleaner catch and everything. And, you know, if, if, if Culver acted like he had four and a half seconds instead of three and a half seconds, he might have a better capacity to get his feet beneath the shoulders and get up and score. But um, I, I just think that they had to quickly transition. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were out of timeouts, right? Yeah. So they had to go fast. And if you saw Matthews just about give it away, get him out and give it to the most sure-handed guy for that play that again that's that's a different pat a different pass from a different spot on the floor so they're again transitioning from here's our under the basket inbound play to here's our you know side out inbound play that's a different thing so you got to go to something fast you don't have a lot of time and you probably just trust McBride the most there my first thought is have you seen anybody else on this team try to pass it into the post right yeah for the last 4 years and like if if you've watched anybody on this team for the last like 4 years try to pass the ball in the post you know exactly why McBride is throwing that ball in two you mentioned it the play worked it yeah. was right it was a good play he got it right where he needed to and i i i, I mentioned it right as as it happened huggins mentioned post game you just mentioned it again culver just was too fast he three and a half seconds is a freaking eternity like I know it's he's like oh that that's not long, it is it really it is much longer than you think, um and, and I mean he had time to get the ball gather himself power dribble pump fake go up and, and you know even get another tip in if he misses that rebound that's how long three and a half seconds is in the game of basketball and and he went through his motions there like he had less than a second like it was like hot potato like as soon as he got it he kind of tried to throw it up real quick and then tried to throw it up real quick again. So it worked. The play was there. Uh, you're right. McBride could have had a little bit better pass, but I don't hate it. I, <laughs> I was surprised. I, I think like I saw it. I was like, damn, that was a good play. And that worked. And I wish Culver hadn't, hadn't rushed it. And I didn't think twice about it. And then came back to the board later. And it was like, people were really, you know, against it, against that play, against McBride throwing it in. And all, all the whole time, I just thought it was a good play. Another feather for McBride's spot in the court there. And I'll have to look into this. I believe he was a high school quarterback. <laughs> I'll, we'll, we'll check on that. He might have been a high school quarterback, but there may have been an injury that, that, that oh. ended his junior year. Yeah, I'm not sure, but that's a 15-yard pass. You think a former high school quarterback could probably handle that. But again, let me, let me double-check that. Don't hold me to that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, uh, let's see here. Do late game timeouts actually hurt particularly on offense? Any thought on the cause from Dr. P. Love, 1920? I like it when you have a situation that they were in at the end of the game. Um, I, I thought they handled everything fine, and it was kind of fun to see Huggins and Kruger go back and forth on that stuff. Those are two really good huddle coaches. 
So that was okay with me. I like not calling a timeout when the ball is live. So a missed shot, a missed free throw, uh, a turnover, whatever, and you're quickly transitioning from offense to defense because, again, this is my, my ethos in coaching. I don't do what the other team wants me to do. And if I have the ball and I miss a chance to win the game, I don't want to play defense, right? So I definitely want the other team to call timeout so I can stop and play. Well, I'm not going to call timeout in that situation because I don't want to do what the other team lets me do. So I'm I'm okay with live transitions. But I think when you have a particular circumstance that you've rehearsed again and again and again and again. So again, inbound into the basket, inbound from the sideline. Um, if you're trying to win a postseason game, sometimes it's different too. Yeah, I'm going to something that I've rehearsed. I know is good. And I'm going to teach it up over there. Does it work one one or the other? I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers. I'm sure things have been written about that, but um, I thought they were okay. I had no problem with um, the looks they got or the decisions they made there. I thought it was good. And I think the deeper you get into a game like that, you're trying your best to win the game. So I'm okay with timeouts there. I like live ball and letting basketball players play sometimes. And again, I like not giving the other team an advantage and I have the ball. I don't want them to set up a defense or uh, go into a zone or put in their shot block or anything like that. Uh, I want to kind of play and see if my guys can win it. But there's a time and a place to call timeout and draw stuff up. And if you got something good and you're in a spot on the floor where you're good at, um, I love that. That's why I think back to Robert Morris against Kentucky and NIT a couple years ago. Like that ball went out of bounds, like not in the corner, but like two steps inside the corner. And Andy Toole quickly called timeout and called a play that run a million times there. And they beat Kentucky at home in the NIT. There's a time and a place for it, too. So I'm, I'm okay with what I saw. I don't really have a, a rule book on those things, though. I'm with you. I'm not, I won't go into any more detail about that. But like I said, there was, very little that I saw as a problem from the coaching slash sh- strategy side of things at the end of that game. I think a lot of it was just execution, to be quite honest. Um, from unreasonable doubt, over, un- un- over under one and a half, not including Oscar, guys that are on the current WVU basketball roster that enter the transfer portal after this season. So two more players leaving from the current roster. Mike, you can take a stab. Can't see it. I'm going under. Dang, gone it. Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in agreement. Like, part of me says, you know, whenever you look at those situations, trying to find out who's, you know, people that might leave, are there two guys that are on this current roster that are just simply not playing or there's no clear path to a future on this team? Because, you know, like, is there a guy that's like, say, a junior or a senior that's playing like five minutes and there's no chance of him playing more next year? Uh, There's no Brandon Knapper. Right. Like, I don't see two of those guys. And the other side of this is I asked Huggins about this. This was before Oscar left, where I said, you know, are you going to continue to recruit in this class? And he said, we don't even have spots as it is. Um, Referencing the fact that they were they signed two players and the two seniors were going to get their extra year eligibility, uh, Sherman and, and Gabe. And he had, he believed that both of them were coming back. And to him, it seemed like it was a no brainer for both of them. And there's been nothing to lead me to believe otherwise since then, including the fact that we have not heard a single player, other an, another player in this class that they've been recruiting or have offered yeah. on the recruiting trail. Like there's no, been no late, transfer talk or junior college guy or anything that they, they've been offering to try to bring in to indicate that they're going to have an extra spot. So, you know, one more player still needs to leave for them to even get to the right numbers as it is. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think there'll be one. I mean, usually I would say over just because it's the nature, but I, I'm not sure I see it this time. Well, let's go empirical here. Cause I think we can make this really easy. Sherman Osaboyan wouldn't count. I don't think like, why are they going to transfer and go somewhere else? That doesn't make sense. They're either going to be yeah. pros. Or they'll be back here. So I don't listen. They would count. They transferred. I get that. They, they don't count in my calculus here. Cause I don't think they're leaving. Uh, McNeil. No way. No, like I'd probably have a hard time finding a better spot for him. Here are the two that make you th- actually, I would say Culver. No way. Right. Um, here are the two that give this conversation some intrigue. It's McCabe and Matthews. Mm hmm. Um, I'm not going to get into the conversations, but we've heard a million people say that they've probably gone as far as high as they can here. Try somewhere else, you know, see if you can be at a more suitable level and do something bigger than what you're doing now. That's closer to what you thought you would do. I don't think those guys are leaving. 
I just don't. I think that they're they're way too important to what they've done here for the past couple of years, and they want to finish it. They're the guys who didn't leave, and they're the guys who taught people in the stand. They're the guys who taught people to come in here. I can't see either one of them leaving. Um, Kedrian Johnson just got here. He's not leaving. McBride, no. Bridges, no. Cottrell, no. So then, for the over-under here, you're getting to only two people, and it's Senny Njai and Taj Thweet. I don't believe Njai is leaving because he's on a plan and Thweet, I just have no idea. I just, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. But like, if a, if a guy from, you know, New Jersey was sitting on the bench and like, I want him to learn and play and I'm not. And he's like, I want to go home and play at NJIT or St. Peter's. Uh, okay, maybe. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's still under if it is. Um, also, I'm putting Taj Thweet in the game and I'm wrecking somebody if they start getting straight line drives in my basket too. Yeah. I'm giving them a roll. Enough of this. I've had too many straight line drives. Just come in and say, hey, 24. Go burn three fouls on Austin Reeves. I don't care. No flagrants, no technicals, but that guy is not coming to the basket anymore. So maybe that's a way to keep him on campus in the future. My point being, I can't see it being over one and a half. Is it? it, it, it it's a bad sign, Mike, when I go to our photo database to pull photos to, to add to our stories, and it's just a picture of an Oklahoma player driving right by a WVU guy, driving right by a WVU guy. Driving right by a WVU guy. Just just three different WVU defenders, three different Oklahoma offensive players, all of them just driving right by him. Like, if, like I said, this is uh, towards the end of the game, I, I had very little issue with any of the coaching decisions or strategy plays and, and a lot of issues with, with uh, just playing out execution. So this is what it is. If, if, I, if, if Reeves and if Reeves and Harmon had earbuds in, it would have been like pregame warmups. That's the only difference. Yeah. Um, I'm going to flip over to football for a second. Uh, I guess we'll start with the first question we got from Omaha here. Will we ever get a real answer why Dreshawn Miller is leaving such a perfect situation? That's up to Dreshawn Miller. <laughs> um, one. Two, not perfect. Guys don't leave perfect situations. I understand that people think that um, number one pass defense in the country, best passing league in the country, that's not true. Um, That's what used to be true, but it's not anymore. Um, But it's a good spot that he's leaving. I don't – so you can't say it's a perfect situation. Something went wrong there. Um, The only things that I've heard specific to him, but also not specific, more of a general sense, is everybody who's left has been unhappy, which is not a surprise. Transfers leave because they're unhappy, which, again, is imperfect. This appears to be perfect. Um, still waters run deep, all that stuff. Something was not right there, too. Um, I just, I, Long story short here, this is a guy who committed to the other staff and was heavily recruited by the other staff, came um, and never really got a chance to play. He was out that first year. When you're out, you're out. You're out of sight. You're out of mind as well as off the field, out of meetings, stuff like that. Um, he impressed people this year by showing them that he was a good player. I guarantee you the time that he was on the sideline, Drayshawn Miller thought he was a good player and wanted to be more in the conversation about the future than he was when he couldn't play. And it would be human for a person to keep that with him. And when he has a chance to turn a really good season into – a better future that he thinks is attainable. Listen, the situation is set up for him to cash in and go and try to end up at an SEC school or something like that, too. Um, if he goes from a Big 12 school to an SEC school, he's got two years. He doesn't have to start next year. He can be a number three next year. He could be a slot corner next year, which, by the way, is a really valuable, marketable skill. And then he could be the number one two years from now. He's got two years to do that stuff, too. Um, listen, he was going to start here. I get it. He can start somewhere else when he goes somewhere, too. He can go from what you think is a perfect situation to what he thinks is a perfect situation. That's all that matters. Um, I don't think he's going to end up at Georgia because I think that there is um, a reason that he was probably looking to leave based on his experiences here. And I don't think he wants to link up with um, a die down in Georgia. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But that would be an answer, too. If he ends up at Georgia, maybe he really wanted to play for a die. I don't think that's the situation. If he ends up at Auburn, he's in an SEC spot with a coach that recruited him he knows really well. If he ends up at Houston, he's going to start at a power five school, excuse me, a group of five school that's pretty good with a coach that he knows at a school that's turned out cornerbacks into the NFL. So it's up to him to find a situation that he feels is perfect as it sure as heck seems like it wasn't what he had here. I think that we're projecting a lot when we say he left a perfect situation. Yeah, I think when you say perfect, maybe the football part of it is perfect. Maybe. Like, you know, yeah, he's a starter for one of the best pass defenses in the country, 
playing in a league that, as you noted, may not be the number one passing league anymore, but is still, still very good. You know, very still good. very good. And he's he's playing like every snap. And so when you leave a situation like that for uncertainty and and there are no guarantees no matter where he goes. I think the only guarantee might have been if he had stayed. And even then is uncertain because there's a new cornerbacks coach, you know, new secondary coach. But everything else, like you noted, like he was recruited by Holgerson and Doug Bell. They left. Tony Gibson was still around, tried to get him, got him to stick. Then Gibson was gone. In comes Koning and a die, and then Koning's gone, and then a die's gone. So what you know, he's on like his fifth coach or something like that. Like, you know, he just every everybody that's convinced him to stay at WVU multiple times is gone. And so that's important. You know, that that can leave a mark on somebody. So you can see that side of it as to why he might be leaving, why he might be trying to find a new spot. Because the, the football side of things, um, even with his resume right now of being, you know, a, a full-time starter on what was it? I think the technically the number one pass defense among power five programs or however it was, it was phrased that that should get you in. That's going to get you in the door basically everywhere, but it's not going to guarantee you the same role, the same playing 99% of snaps and being the man back there uh, as it, as it was at West Virginia. So it's a gamble, I think, but guys don't take gambles for no reason. They don't just leave for no reason. There's a reason, and and it must just. It, it, I can only assume that it didn't have to deal with football. The the point you made is great. Like everybody's telling him, "Hey, stick with us, stick with us, stick with us," and they all leave. Right? Why can't you do that? Yeah. Like you did your job and you did it, and you you thought you were good, and then you proved you were good. And listen, I want to have two solid years and play for someone I know, someone who wanted to play for, I thought about playing for. That's going to be there. Does that mean that? Zach Etheridge is going to be at Auburn for two more years, or Doug Bell is going to be at Houston for two more years. No, but that's the roll of the dice, right? I just think that's that's something that you have to open your mind to, and the system is set up for him to do it too. Let me ask you this: Do you see any Michael Lachlan here too, where he doesn't know this cornerbacks coach, and maybe he wants to get to know Shadon Brown, and um, and maybe he does, and he comes out of the portal? Do you see them trying to recruit him back, and can you see a player being receptive to that? Not necessarily him, but can you see a player in this situation being receptive to? coming back because that can either be a very humbling swallow your pride moment or kids today that could be a triumph they're getting recruited to a place they wanted to be at all along we've seen that before with somebody from west virginia at an sec school this past uh, during this this cycle here where show me some love and i'll stay where i'm at i wonder if that's a reasonable possibility here i think it is i mean i you know i think the staff already tried i think we'll put it that way and but i'm not and again, this is God. You hate you hate to be like uh, checking out his social media, but just the way he's, you know, when when O'Laughlin went in, it was made very clear to me, like the moment he went in, that this was just an uncertainty on his part. It was no clear answer. He didn't comment on it. He didn't tweet about it. He didn't say anything about it. Um, those close to him told me there's a good chance he's coming back. Get back to us in like a month, and that was it. And it happened. Very little fanfare. He was just, boom, he was out of the portal, and that was it. And with Miller, he seems to be very open about this, about he's finding a new place. You know, you're kind of just trying to read these social media tea leaves, which can be really dangerous. But all the players on the team, you see them tweeting at him and saying things to him, you know, like saying goodbye. Like they're all saying goodbye. Like everybody seems to be on the same page that, that this is it, that he's not coming back. And it seems very different than the O'Loughlin situation. But these guys text. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I, I, I don't know. I, whenever I see, even people I know, if I see them tweet something or post something on Facebook, I then take it privately and, and text them or DM them or something. Uh, but like, I got to imagine he's pretty tight with Nick Troy fortune, right? Yeah. And they're having like a conversation on Twitter. I'm like, like, are they down the hall from each other? Like, <laughs> like, or can they just have a, a text or a FaceTime or something like that? We got to do some. Just, it's just very strange. I don't get it. Move on. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> no, that was a good one. Um, let's see. I want to save the the media one for last because I want to see if you'll. I want to see if you'll rant for a bit <laughs> on that one. I think I'm gonna surprise uh, you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. I, I mean, I think we covered a lot of the stuff here. And again, I'll, I'll touch up on them. Is there anything else before we get to the uh, the, the, the media one that you want to touch on? 
I, I just just one here because it came up um, that if they do play this Thursday game against Baylor at 9 p.m. and they get back and they're just zombies on Friday, that really jeopardizes the Bob Huggins fish fry, right? <laughs> Which, again, it's, it's virtual. It's not in person. I get that. But I've forgotten that Bruce Weber would be the visiting coach for the fish fry. Oh. Oh. In a, in a normal year, I mean, that like it's Calipari, it's, you know, Chris Beard. It's, it's, there's a coach that's busy and that's playing the next day that comes to the fish fry and hangs out, right? Yeah. What a miscalculation this year. What if it was a normal year and Huggins had to hang out with Bruce Weber? But also, yeah. what if Bruce Weber was just wild? Yeah. Do you think he is? Was great. I don't. I don't know. What if he was great? Like he was just a cool hang. So now you got me. I'm. I'm gonna go try to. Uh, Tim Fitzgerald, who runs our Kansas State site, now I gotta go back because just the other day he released his. Uh, he tweeted out his rankings of Big Twelve coaches he'd want to have a glass of bourbon with. I can give you one guess as to who was at the top of that list. <laughs> it's um, not Bruce Weber, I'm guessing, right? It's not Bruce Weber. Uh, is uh, Mr. Mr. Robert Huggins. Here we go. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so Hugs, Self, Boynton, Beard, Kruger, Smart, Dixon, Weber, all the way down at eight on his list. Well, Scott Drew's got to be ten, right? Scott Drew was ten, and Prom was nine. Pro, I, I, Pro's probably got a streak in him. I bet. I wonder. <laughs> I, uh, I would. I would. I, I would not sleep on Lon Kruger. You think he'd be fun? Gotta have some stories. UNLV, Florida, Final Fours, NBA. He was in Atlanta for how many years? He saw some things. Yeah, I would put yeah. him up like a little bit. So Self- somebody somebody responded to him that that he thinks that uh, Weber doesn't drink, so he should be at least nine or ten. Because I think I think the same is true of Drew too. Yeah, Drew doesn't drink, and he says he'll probably just uh, end up praying for my soul instead of hanging out. So, That's your nine ten in some order. Um, yeah, it's a good conversation. Beard. Buckle I think up. Beard would be a heck of a lot of fun. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Like I, I hate to like judge people positively or negatively on just one thing, but you know that again, that trip that you and I took to uh, Boston for that Sweet 16 when West Virginia and Texas Tech were in that part of the bracket, and and we got stuck on different sides of the court, mm-hmm. and I was stuck right behind Chris Beard for their entire game, and he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just enjoyed every minute of it, uh, every minute. This is good. I like this. <laughs> uh, you ready to go to the media one? Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Um, I'll skip past the first part, but the uh, this is from 8389 grad. He says, the question, assuming health concerns are mitigated, do you expect that things will go back to quote unquote normal in terms of access or have teams, both WVU and generally, become so enamored with Zoom and others that they'll attempt to keep the media at arm's length in the future Severely restricting your in-person access. All right. So take like five seconds to think about where I'm going to go here with my answer, right? I I have a feeling. I know where I'm going with it, and I thought we were on the same path here, but now you're making me think I'm walking alone. I will tell you that my my fear is that if you give college coaches and college athletic departments an inch, they're going to take a mile, and Mm -hmm. that they've had close to a year with this system and they're not going to want to go back. Why would you go backwards? So that's my fear. Um, I would also tell you that this is not that different from normal. Um, I've seen zero live practices um, as coached by Bob Huggins. That's it. Zero. He doesn't do open practices. Um, I football is just going to go more and more behind the walls. It is. And like, you can say all the stuff about, Oh, we get 30 minutes. You get 30 minutes of stretching and, and people kicking field goals and extra points. You don't see anything good every now and then. You might see some one versus ones, but what happens? They come around and they say, don't write about this. <laughs> what? <laughs> How about I write about it and you, you erase it, okay? Because you can't <laughs> do that, right? You can't erase when I write, just like you can't tell me not to write it, right? So they're just not going to do that anymore. They're not going to let you around. So my, my concern is that this is going to be more toward the new normal. And if you give them, if you give them protection, they're going to take even more. So I'd also say it's not that normal. I have never seen basketball live. Now, Huggins will sit down and he'll talk to you forever and ever and ever before practices. You might talk to him for 10 minutes on the record and 30 minutes off the record about stuff. Um, I miss that stuff. And, and I think that he'd tell you the same too, because he likes the people to cover the team and he likes to have conversations to ask him questions and to tell him stories and all that. Um, Holgerson was pretty good about walking around the field and chatting with you and asking about something you write or you're going to write about. Did you need help with this? Or what were you thinking when you wrote that? He would just walk around and do stuff like that. But again, that was 30 minutes before practice. Um, 
so I don't think it's changed that much for basketball or for football. You don't get the individual stuff one-on-one on Zoom. You can't. You can't sit somebody down before they leave the room, or you can't sit someone down when everybody else has left, and it's just that one person, that one linebacker, that one shooting guard who's in the stands or in the room, and talk to them. So you miss that. I do think that that's probably going to be more normal. I think you're going to see situations where um, – hey, the players came in for Monday interviews and you had a game Tuesday and there's a game Saturday, so Friday we're just going to do Zoom. I think you'll see some of that. Football, I just think it's going to be more and more protected you know, like it normally is. I hope we get back to the Tuesdays where you have a press conference and you get the coordinators and maybe an assistant coach, but you never got assistant coaches in Brown's first season. So, again, it's not that different. I do think and I do hope that the other sports use this because you have seen more Mm -hmm. written about baseball, wrestling, volleyball, women's soccer, those minor sports. You see more written about it because the media does not have to go to the venue to do the interview and a coach doesn't have to do a one on one phone call to get into the newspaper, to get onto the website. If you do a Zoom, it's really, really easy. And all we got to do is click the link and we can watch it and ask questions. It, it's We all come to each other on this. I don't have to go there. They don't have to come here. It's hard to cover the smaller sports when you're covering football and basketball because the time crunch, and that's that's unfortunate for sports that deserve it. Um, women's basketball is getting a lot of publicity because they're winning, but also because Mike Carey and his players are available on Zoom, and that helps. And I think you're going to see baseball do something similar this year. We're seeing it with wrestling. Tim Flynn's around a lot because people are able to access it and write about it. And it's kind of on demand, too. I might not be able to catch the Tim Flynn Zoom at 1130, but I can catch it at 2 p.m. And I can still write something about it, too. So I think and I hope that the smaller sports will continue to do that. It's good for them because they're making it easier on the media. And to be honest, sometimes the media doesn't want to be bothered having to go across town and get to an interview that you might not ask questions and you might only get the coaches and the players that are there. We're kind of lazy, Chris. If you make it easy, if you make it easy on us, we're probably going to comply too. So I think that I, I think and I hope that they'll do that. They probably should have been doing it before. It doesn't matter. They'll do it in, in, as a way in the future. But will the other big sports do it? I don't think so. I think they'll go back to normal, which really wasn't that different. I think it, maybe this is related to your media's lazy thing there. But uh, I really wish. You know, if they go back to that, and I'm I'm with you. I don't think there's an issue necessarily with the hey, let's just do this over Zoom instead of you know, everybody pack up, come on over to the uh, the team room, and sit in here together, and stare at Neil Brown when we could just do the same thing over Zoom. Um, I think that's part of it. Again, the the being able to talk to people person to person, individually. That's a huge thing. I feel like if you don't do that, you've just made every single media outlet like the same, basically, because they're getting the same content, they're getting the same questions, the same answers. And we've seen it before. I think one of my favorite things is going to those media scrambles and watching Mike sit there and stare at these other media outlets being like, will you get the hell away from here so I can ask some actual questions? <laughs> Please get out of here. Go away. You know, because there there are certain people in this in in media not just at WVU everywhere that don't actually ask questions don't actually pursue stories and they just hang out and let people like Mike not like me I just whatever but like Mike ask the real questions go after the real stories and then they just stand there with their recorder or their video camera and record it and then they just kind of take the story and it, it's frustrating as hell when you we do this and that and you can't get away from that when you're doing the zooms so if they don't want to do the in-person stuff that that kind of sucks i understand it because you're right it's very convenient to just be like hey click this link and boom we're all talking but are they going to open up you know individual one-on-one times like we we see assistant coaches even and head coaches for for west virginia go do one-on-one interviews with certain media outlets and national media outlets and then if we call and or any like local media call and ask for the same thing, it's a no. Yeah. And that if we're going to sit here and do all virtual kind of stuff and staying away and close the door, we got to open it back up for individual stuff so that people can provide unique content for the fans. Cause that, that kind of generic crap, like fans look past that. They see past that. And I think that's why, you know, I some of the stuff that that is produced by the school, it's very high quality stuff, and I think the people there do a very good job. But it, it's also very kind of manicured to the way that 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 the school wants it to be presented, as as you would expect it to be. 
But fans look past that and they want the real stuff. They want it from outsiders. They want it, it you know, not uncut. They want, they want it uncensored, I guess. But um, there's got to be a happy medium because I agree that the, the Zoom thing is great. It's very convenient for kind of those one-off things. But got to open it back up so that, that media outlets can provide unique content for the fans. Oh, here's your litmus test because I hate to tell you this. They don't care about the unique content. They just care that they <laughs> It's true. They just care. They put a microphone or a camera in front of someone's face, and that they give the media a chance. And and to some extent, that's their responsibility, and they right. don't have much more now. I get that, but they don't care. Um, and I'm sure they'll give me crap about that, but that's true. And I'm right in there, right there too. They don't have to do much more, but they don't do much more. What'll be interesting is when football and basketball go back to road games. If it's if it's a regular situation in the future, if in the 2021 football season and the 21-22 basketball season. If it's all back to normal or as close to normal as we can be and we can go to games and we can you know, do the actual in-person post-game press conferences, it doesn't change the finances of media outlets that can't and won't travel, can't afford to and won't do it. So what do you do? It's been wonderful this year to see them actually have road games with Zoom, with players and coaches, because it gives us a chance to actually cover the team from afar. There's no reason that mechanism shouldn't exist in the normal future. That should be there for the same. It shouldn't be like one of those things where you got to get a three-minute video that the YouTube channel may do, or you had to get the Facebook live stream that comes from the opposing team's um, media area. Why can't you do what you're doing now? It's not that hard. Again, it's opening up a laptop or, or anything with a webcam and streaming. Um, that should be part of the future. It just should be. That's, that's your access. That's your way to do it. Um, I'm with you. I, I've thought this for a long time, that they're going to want to make their own media hubs for football and basketball and even the minor sports, their destinations. And that means they're going to pour their resources into that. And that means that it's a competitor in some regard to what you and I have to do, but um, they're going to give themselves unique content, which is why I think they're not inclined to do that for other people. That's harsh. That's probably true. And again, that's good for them. That's their job. Their function is to exist and be unique and be a destination for stuff. I get that. But I wonder, I wonder in the future how they treat road games because that's been great this year. We never had that type of access on the road before last year. Um, we get it now, and it's it's pretty good. Before, we were relying on other media outlets and other other sites that cover our um, like other 24-7 sites. We'd ask them to do stuff for West Virginia's locker room or their post game because West Virginia didn't do it. They're doing it now. I don't think that should revert to what it was before. <sighs> I cannot believe I'm the one that's that, that's more upset about this than you are. Can't believe it. I mean, I'm upset, but I'm also Mike's getting soft. Mike's yeah. getting soft. No, I, mean, I, mean, I think I think. Do you think I'm just mad because now the the school's doing their official like a recruiting story show every week now? Did you see that? I, I think, saw of it. I did not see it. What is it? Is it any good? I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. I haven't watched it. But I saw that they were. Wait. Oh yeah. I guess the first one was just the other day. So maybe I need to. Maybe I do need to go watch that. But yeah, I saw that. You know, they sent out the release saying that they were going to start doing that. Uh, and, you know, again, they can't say that much officially because they're not supposed to talk about recruits. But I guess it's just on the guys that came in in this class, which I assume is more of a repeat of what they said on signing day. So I don't know. Again, it's it is what it is. But I just I hope that they don't make everything cookie cutter in the future future. I, I'll I say this. That, that's a bad road to go down. There are people there who have ideas and want to do stuff. And I think we've seen that in the past. Yes. You know, 10 months that they've, they've been given a chance to do some things. And I hope that continues to go forward because they've done it again. I cannot complain about the access we've gotten all things considered this year. Like I wish that we got to talk to assistant coaches more. Um, there, there's been a couple of things I've asked for and haven't gotten, but man, to, to get what we've gotten, even, even in the winter, even in the summer, like there were no sports, we got all the head coaches. Right. And then I've had chances to talk one-on-one with people since then. Like, I think it's not complaining. I just, I just think that it's been so different and such, an additional amount of work that's going to go back to the way things were. And I don't think it has to be like that. I hope it won't be like that. Same, same, same. I, I do. I agree. I think there needs to be some credit for, for what we've been able to get and do and ask um, over the past year. Cause I, when this all started and things were trending the wrong way, I was concerned that that would be it, that there would be no access, none at all. And and there has been a, a decent amount, so no complaints Again, on that end. After a road game, they're trying to get out of there. They're trying to get onto a plane or actually yeah. onto a bus and then onto a plane. And if you got to hang around for half an hour to do post game media, that's that's additional stuff they don't have to do, and they're doing it. It's not that hard to keep doing it in the future. Please, 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 please keep doing it in the future is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and this is this is Mike's disclaimer that he is not affiliated with me in any way, shape, or form. And my opinions are my own. <laughs> 
All right. Well, my opinion is that we are out of time here. We've answered all of our questions. Do you agree? I agree. Oh, man. Too much of that going on. But he'll be back with more of the uh, full mailbag, full answers. He's got a couple that I see right now that he did. Uh, we did not answer here because he's better than I am at some of those and probably has some fresher ideas for a few more answers, too. So um, look forward to that in the future. Yep, that'll be up later this afternoon. I got. Hey. Uh, I think we had an update with a four-star recruit that you guys really need to read up on because this is, um, you know, Brody Meadows from down in Bluefield, Virginia, on the Virginia side of things. That, uh, man, I'll tell you what, there are recruits that touch base with coaches that, may, and then there's a few more that maybe talk to them weekly, a few more that get to talk to the head coach, and then there's whatever Brody Meadows is doing with West Virginia because it is extensive and and it seems like the interest from both sides is is very legitimate. Um, so got a big update with him talking about that and everything he's doing and all the people he's talking to at West Virginia. So be sure to go read that if you are a VIP member. So all that and more. And if I know us, Chris, we'll have a basketball game on Thursday afternoon just because <laughs> you said it wasn't going to happen. But until then, uh, stay tuned. We'll keep you updated. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.